Hello everybody, welcome to Monday Night Live. A great pleasure to have you joining us either live or on YouTube or on the Negotiators podcast. In this first session of Healthy, Wealthy and Wise, we are focusing on the healthy part of it. And I've met some really interesting people in my travels as a chairman of the Professional Speaking Association and uh, traveling the world. And I've got five of them today that have joined me and they're going to talk to us about uh, alternative and complementary therapies outside of the norm. Um, I've always been curious about them, particularly curious after I went for a massage after some sports injuries. And um, the lady I went to was a reflexologist and uh, I went, wow, this, this can't work, etc." And she had these big charts up on the wall and she started explaining it to me and showing me how these energy lines went through. And uh, she was uh, pressing my feet in different directions and it hurt sometimes and it didn't the other. And I asked her what it was and it was absolutely logical. It was actually for my injuries. So I started becoming a believer in that. And the other thing I was going to mention first was um, I've been pretty stressed out when I've been just before I've been presenting to 500 people at conferences. And someone said, why don't you just spray on a little bit of bark rescue remedy? And I thought, well, it's only three pounds in boots, even I can afford that. So I did that. And funnily enough, it seemed to work. I have no idea whether it was a placebo, but I know it worked and that was fantastic. So it doesn't really matter, does it? If you think it does or you think it doesn't, you're probably right. So that's the power of positive thinking. And we'll come to Gabby later, whose uh, business was at one stage, all linked round the power of words. So now it's my pleasure to introduce my first guest from uh, Cornwall today. And she's overlooking the beach down at St Agnes. Uh, Alison Gross, chartered physiotherapist and cranial sacral expert and a few other things. Ali's been my physio for nearly 30 years since I uh, injured my back playing hockey, has fixed me so many times it's unbelievable, tells me off every time I go because I haven't been doing enough stretches. Uh, but welcome Ali, uh, thanks for joining us once again on Monday Night Live. Hi Derek, great to see you. Well Ali, let's, um, let's get into this straight away. Let's uh, talk about physiotherapy, but I know you've been really fascinated about other methods of helping people and getting people better. Tell us about uh, cranial sacral. Okay, so that's, I've been helping or using cranial sacral therapy to help people for about 14 years now. And it was, I always knew there was something I was missing when I was working with people. Okay, so you have muscles, joints, bones, etc. and working with those, but I thought there was something else. And um, that's something else for me turned out to be the craniosacral part of the picture. And my brother teaches craniosacral therapy and he sent me off on a course and I was hooked from the first day. I was absolutely hooked. It's all about working with the body um, and giving the body the chance to normalize itself. So it's a bit different from your traditional sports massage, physio, that kind of stuff, which is doing to people. This is more facilitating people's bodies to um, make the heal, healing moves they need to make and it can do things with with structural stuff and with emotional stuff uh, it's all about um, allowing the body to correct itself emotional stuff now I get the physical stuff I'm, I'm not allowed to word, use the word stuff so I better drop that uh, most people know who my mentor is and he used loose words you're in big trouble so um, 
Tell us about the emotional part of it. How does that work? So it's all it's called somato emotional release, SER. And it's really the idea that the body and the cells of the body remember everything that's happened to you. Um, and it can be hidden inside you and you might not know it's there. So, for example, somebody might come to me with a sore shoulder and they go through, you know, I banged into this, I did that. I put my hands on that shoulder and they'll suddenly say, oh, I've just remembered when my, my grandma died. Someone put their hand on my shoulder. It's just come back to me. And that I think Gabby will know a lot about this too, and perhaps many more of you. Um, and that just is the energy from that shock going into the body at that place. And it's hidden there. And you think that it's because you're, you haven't been sitting right. It might be that that's causing your sore shoulder. But so interesting that many times when I get my hands on someone, a thought will come that they haven't remembered for years. And the tissue will soften a bit. Um, so if you've got your hands on somebody, it will feel much softer rather than all solid. And it will gradually release itself. And very often that it's not quite as simple as that, but very often um, the emotion will come out. Maybe they'll cry or they'll laugh and then their shoulder will feel better. They might cry as, 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 emotional, as emotional as that. Oh, yes, very much so. And in fact, I, I have had people phone me up. It doesn't happen anymore because I always warn them. But I've had people in the past phone me up and say, I don't know what you did. You hardly touched me, but I've been in tears all evening. What happened? <laughs> so I just say, actually, that's not really tears. That's an emotional release. That's the body physically letting out the emotions, which I guess so, is what it is. So is that like muscle memory in sport? You know, you practice something so many times that you don't have to think about it at all. And you never forget that muscle memory like in swimming. I, I don't think it's quite the same, but I guess it's on a similar idea because you, you, you're training a muscle to remember that, which is a bit different. So that's like doing your exercises and learning your times tables. So it's second nature to you. Whereas this is something much more organic. It's something about a, a trauma that happened to you at some point in your life um, being released or coming back into your consciousness. Perhaps that's the way of putting it. So the body is giving the message about something that's going on with the emotions. Wow. And that's blocking the energy, is it? It can be, or, or it, maybe it's just there. I mean, you don't, we don't, it's a problem that's there that hasn't resolved or is still bothering the person at some level. And at this, at that point of time is when it's choosing to show itself. Okay, well, I, I think we've got some of, some of our other guests and experts on who might want to talk about that. I was just thinking uh, in sport, when you train your body to do something, you might actually anchor it. And Gabby will talk about this later by, you could pinch your ears, you could uh, press your thumbs together. Mrs. Merkel, actually, um, the um, German chancellor, or was a German chancellor, anchors her thoughts by doing this. Instead of pointing, she does this. And of course, she can squeeze that as hard as she likes without anyone seeing she's tense and under pressure. I, I always think that's a that's a great anchor. I don't think Boris has been taught that one yet. But uh, if you not noticed, he keeps his fists together now. He used to have open hands. Now he always has closed hands when he's speaking. Oh, I wonder if he knows he's doing that. I don't know. We better get at him, hadn't we? <laughs> Last question before I move on. Uh, uh, Ali, uh, who are you seeing at the moment? Are you still seeing a lot of um, Zoom-related, uh, computer-related injuries? I'm seeing so many, yes. People are still working from home and they're still not set up properly. I've got a lady I saw last week who's been working at home for 14 months and she's got she's been sitting like this on her dining room chair with her chin poking forward. She's now got arm pain. She can't sleep. Well, she can now, actually, because she's had some treatment. But, yeah, loads of people still not sitting well, I'm afraid, and not taking breaks. Because, of course, when you're in the office, you get up to go to the coffee machine or you commute there, that kind of thing. When you're at home, you get caught up in something and you just work, I think. So remember, to set breaks is very important. 
Well, I remember, remember you told me many, many years ago, even when I was working for Barclays, to get up and stretch every 20 minutes. And uh, I tend to do that at home till I forget. Sometimes I set my Apple Watch for uh, 17 minutes, but uh, it really does need some discipline, doesn't it? And it's not Yeah, really... it setting a reminder, 30 minutes will do. It doesn't have to be 20 minutes. Okay. Well, I always go a bit over the top, don't I? Okay, um, thanks, Ali. Can we come back to you um, later on? That would be uh, fantastic. Okay. Now I want to go from Cornwall to Inverness, which is a distance of about uh, 600 miles to Carol Robertson. I met Carol Robertson three years ago when I was um, teaching up there for the Highlands and Islands uh, Agency. Carol came on my course and we uh, immediately connected because uh, we were both interested and curious about uh, about things. I think we talked about body language to start off with, but to introduce Carol, she's also a physiotherapist, but she's chairperson of the Association of Chartered Physios in Energy, which is, wow, that's pretty impressive, uh, Carol. I know she's been recording videos on Zoom for her courses, etc. So, uh, Carol, are you there? Carol, you might be muted. Yeah, I've just unmuted myself. Okay, that's brilliant. Carol, welcome. Uh, and thanks for uh, thanks for joining us on Monday Night Live. Carol, oh, what, does, what, what does um, meaning being the chair of the Association of Chartered Physios and in energy management mean? Um, Association of Chartered Physios in Energy Medicine. Oh, sorry. And, <laughs> Thank you, Derek, for, wel for welcoming me on your programme. And um, I've been working with AGPEM, which is the group of physios with a particular interest in energy medicine. And we're really a forum for discussion and exchange and learning from each other. We're interested in the unexplained and the unexplainable. And we work together with physiotherapists in craniosacral energy, with physiotherapists who use kinesiology, dowsing, Reiki, all sorts of different techniques. So energy medicine is not a technique. And as physiotherapists, we have to be really clear that if we are working with energy medicine, we're not doing physiotherapy to people. We have to keep our professional boundaries. Mm -hmm. But energy medicine overarches everything when you start to embrace it and to see the human body as a biophysical, bioelectrical organism, as well as a biomechanical and structural organism. And so, yeah, charge is part of human life. Mm. Emotions carry charge. Physical activity carries charge. Our cells have a positive and a negative pole. So I've branched off in a different way within energy medicine from um, Ali, from her craniosacral, and I measure what goes on in the body with something called the Lecher antenna. Wow. So it's a very, very simple device, a bit like behind the dashboard in an old radio in our cars. When you tune into different stations, the, the signal comes through. And so when you can read the stations, you can read what's happening in the energy body. And uh, if I can take you back to the moon for a second, because it's a full moon, then we have more sunlight reflected to us on Earth from by the, the reflection from the moon. And so that's more, um, more vibrant, more cosmic or yang energy, and that can overexcite people who are sensitive to that type of energy. When the moon is at its, its least, so a dark moon, then that affects other people in different ways. So, so I work with a system called ACMOS, um, the ACMOS method. It's a system of energy balancing and it's there's no one rule fits all. I read the energy and then I just ask questions and follow the process, the person's 
body asks for what it needs. But in a so in a different way from the way that Ali uses, we pick up where there are blocks in the energy, where there are memories stored in the cells about traumatic events or positive events that have happened to that person throughout their lives. And we look at, at people as coming into life with a, a, a program. So we have uh, our inherited tendencies and traits. And on top of that, we have our life's experiences. And we also have the strength of our vital spark or our vital life force. And all the three things influence each other. And we have a completely different set of symptoms in one person compared to another because their underlying patterns will be different. Okay, I'm going to stop you there because a few people yeah. on the call, like me, probably are saying, hang on a minute, you know, what is that you've got there? What do you, so what do you do with that uh, piece of kit which looks like an old-fashioned television aerial? Do you point it at me? Do you wave it at me? Do I hold it in my hand? How does it work? If you were here with me, then you would be attached with a cable and an electrode, and there's no batteries in this. You, you are the battery. So you're the, the electrical force. And so I would change the stations to look for resonance with different aspects of your energy body. So it, I, I work within a Chinese medicine model. So yang energy goes with sunlight, heat, redness, inflammation, speed, aggression, vibrancy, vitality, varies with the seasons. So the summer is the highest time of year and the winter is the lowest, it's the most yin time of year, it's the most intaking, the quietest time in your energy when you're preparing yourself for the next, next spring when the energy can raise up again. And so there are different stations on my antenna that tell me different things. And I now do all of my work online since the, the COVID um, epidemic or pandemic. And I found it to actually be more powerful in the way that I can connect with people's energy because I have to be really focused when I'm working with them at distance and so picking up the signals from someone's body so if I may I, may I point my antenna at you? you you yeah I'm going to move back quickly and fold my arms I'm, I'm getting a bit scared but please do go for it so it's really important to never um, interfere or or work with someone's energy without their permission and I, I believe that permission should be explicit they should be able to verbalize and know what you're going to do before you you do that rather than just asking their their energy information so i'm, uh, I'm an information you're, you're telling me that this is going to work 600 miles away uh, on zoom that's what you're telling me isn't it so let's go it is it. Yeah, i didn't go. plan to go down this route with you tonight okay, but it well, seems to have happened anyway so i'm up for it so i'm going to look at your connection with with the, the cosmic energy which is the energy from sunlight or your yang life force so sunlight's hot fast and radiant we don't operate at the speed of light, so we need to slow that energy as it passes down through our body. And our systems tend to get slower as we work down through the body. So we go across, and I'm just looking at your picture there on the screen. And so you can see the antenna moving down. Yeah. So your cosmic connection is connected. I'm going to change my station to eight, which is the Earth connection, to see whether you're calm enough or whether you're overexcited, because if you're cosmic connection is present then you're yangy if there's no balance with the earth then you're too yang or overexcited <laughs> you lost me totally can you tune into talk sport while you're on there please no no <laughs> <laughs> and your earth connection is on as well so let's just see whether the two are in balance with each other because that's important are we operating at the correct speed for the situation that we're in in life 
and that varies depending on what you're doing. And you can change that speed through different activities. You can do something like yoga or meditation or breath work to slow and calm your energies, or you can go and play squash or sing loudly or go to a fantastically hilarious comedy show to raise your yang energy. Okay. So you're 15-3 on my antenna. So when I'm sort of concentrating on the highlight of my week, presenting this program with all that goes with it, I, should, I imagine I'm pretty full on, aren't I? You are. And you're, yeah. you're full on, but you are balanced. So you're oh. able to operate at the right speed to present and to carry the occasion without getting overexcited, because that wouldn't be useful to you. And you're able to be grounded enough, so you have enough earth control to keep you in the correct zone or window of, of tolerance to be able to present effectively. And I've just, uh, I've just been able to detect that with my antenna. Wow, okay. Well, um, a good job we're going to a proper medical doctor next rather than someone like you and Ali that read read the stars. Although I'm not sure uh, Dr. Alison uh, Grimshaw is, uh, is uh, also connected to uh, your areas. Does this mean I could, uh, do you think I could get a game for Arsenal next week uh, as my, uh, as I'm balanced, do you think? Uh, or do you think I'm past it, Carol? Don't answer that question. I couldn't possibly see. <laughs> we better move on to uh, to the to the doctor. Thanks, Carol. We'll probably want to come back to you. And I guess there's a few questions in the chat box. And um, I never knew in in old days that the word lunatic, of course, came from the lunar cycle of the moon. Uh, that surprised me a lot when I found that out. It's amazing what we learn. Uh, Doctor Ali, are you there? I am. Yes. Fantastic. Hi, Derek. Hi, uh, Ali. I first met Ali when uh, when I was president of the Professional Speaking Association and Ali was um, very curious about what went on in the Speaking Association. I know you mentored and coached a few a few people. Are you still a medical doctor? Because at that stage you were talking about moving on, I know, because it was uh, hugely busy in those days down in Lewis. Yes. Yeah. Well, it was much, got much more busy since Covid, of course. Um, yeah, so so my story really uh, comes from when I was 17. And just before I started medical school, I was involved in a car accident and broke my back in two places. And um, I didn't, I foolishly chose not to take a gap year, which would have been sensible and good have given me some time to heal, because I was so anxious about getting my hard won place at medical school. So uh, there was I at medical school and they were teaching us that pharmaceuticals and surgery are the answer to everything and science knows knows it all. Um, and of course, I was experiencing quite the opposite, that if you've got chronic pain or any other chronic disease, uh, the pharmaceutical approach isn't the answer. And I had to use journaling, acupuncture, traditional Chinese medicine. Uh, lifestyle change so I had to lie down for lectures for example um, in order to get through the course and I also took four years out doing research because my back still wasn't strong enough after three years to go on to the wards so I learned that way really by experience that the traditional medical approach isn't the answer to everything um, and I needed to use the best of both worlds. And I encourage people to use the best of both worlds in their approaches to their health. Um, one of the things that I notice in medicine, I am still a doctor, I'm a, a GP. Um, I left my partnership in 2016 
because the others didn't agree with me recommending even probiotics. Um, so they, they weren't, they didn't think that I should be doing anything other than NHS. You know, they shouldn't, they didn't think I should be encouraging people to help themselves basically. Um, and I've just left another practice where I was salaried doctor for similar reasons, really. Um, so I'm a GP, I do locums, but I'm also multi-trained. So I trained, uh, basically the next thing that happened to me was that I burnt out from stress. When I was a medical student, I was passionate about where women's hormones and, endo um, and where, where women's health and endocrinology overlap. So PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome, premenstrual syndrome, menopause, all those sorts of things. Um, that's where, where my passion was, but I couldn't specialize in that because of my broken back. So I went into general practice as being the most holistic place for me in the NHS at the time. And, uh, but it, it got too much for me. And when I was working full-time as a GP with two young kids, I burnt out myself in 2003, 2004. Um, and that was all part of my journey. That's when I started training as an energy healer. So I trained with the what was the National Federation of Spiritual Healers. It's now called the, the, um, the Healing Trust as an energy healer. I've trained in shamanic healing and with crystals and with acupuncture through the British Medical Acupuncture Society. Um, and chakra balancing is all part of that. And it was later when I trained in bioidentical hormone therapy and functional medicine that I, uh, which is looking at the grassroots of a problem. So if, you're, it may, if you've got a headache, it may actually be your gut health that's the problem, not just that you need, you, it's not a paracetamol deficiency. You know, headaches are not a paracetamol deficiency. In fact, pa paracetamol can cause headaches. Headaches can be due to dehydration, can be due to leaky gut syndrome, and uh, there's no time in NHS general practice to start really addressing this properly. Uh, um, and my passion is for empowering and inspiring women to take back ownership of their health so that they really understand um, their bodies enough to take the right steps when things go awry. And it is about rebalancing. Uh, and I trained for in nutritional endocrinology, which is using nutrition to balance hormones. So I've done loads of training. I've got loads of tools in my toolbox of which energy medicine is a really powerful, probably the most powerful part. But until recently, I've really kept that under my hat because the political climate hasn't been right for it. But now more and more people are connecting with their own soul purpose. And I feel that I can be overt about mine. So I'm rebranding as the midlife medicine woman, which is going back to my herbalist uh, past lives and things like that. Wow, so, that's fantastic. Congratulations on what you're doing and congratulations fighting the system. I was going to ask you, because we haven't got a minute or two on this. Um, what happened when you were training and you were interested in all this? Um, can I call it off the wall medicine? But I know I mustn't. And I don't mean that. Um, didn't the professors and things, didn't they, wasn't there a risk they chuck you out of medicine you just, school? You just keep it under your hat. In actual fact, uh, when I was at medical school, we were in a group called Women in Medicine, which was a, um, a socialist medical students, women's and doctors um, association. And I actually edited a whole one of our newsletters specifically on complementary and, and um, <laughs> alternative medicine, medicine so that was really really interesting finding out more about essential oils and uh, kinesiology and uh, Feldenkrais method there are so many different modalities 
And it's about finding the ones that, that resonate with you. So if you really want just a science approach, that's fine, but don't disrespect people who choose a more spiritual approach because really we get best results when we embrace both. And stress and anxiety and all this angst that's going on in the world, a lot of it is due to the, us not being connected and, and the lack of a community for people as well. As well. Um, and the lab tests that I can do as a functional medicine doctor privately way outstrip what I can do in the NHS as a GP. It's so fascinating. Gee whiz, I'm blown away by that. I've got a number of other questions, but we'll come back to that. And uh, I'm thinking so far with, with my three guests, I better get you back on for a, a longer session if, if that's all right at, uh, at some stage. I was going to go to Gabby next, but I think I'll go to Shelley if that's all right with, with you, Shelley, as we've had the, uh, the uh, therapists, if you like. And um, then we'll go to Gabby with the power of words and her... Um, neurolinguistic uh, training. Are you there, Shelley? I think so. Okay, yeah, you are there, fantastic. Um, oh. Shelley's been a member of the uh, Professional Speaking Association for a number of years. I first uh, met her at the uh, Consultants Development Network when I first uh, left Barclays, and uh, Shelley's written a very interesting book about her life, which uh, I'm hoping she'll come back and talk about at some stage. But the reasons for asking Shelley here today is that uh, Shelley has trained as a, a psychotherapist and a hypnotherapist. And, uh, you know, I've done one day of um, training on hypnotherapy. I found it fascinating. And uh, I've learned to put myself in a trance and chill out and relax. Um, so tell us about your journey of um, psychotherapy and hypnotherapy, please, Shelley. Well, I often feel alternative, but I think tonight my work is more middle of the road really um i my, my I, I want to illustrate it with two very brief client descriptions in a moment but i trained as something called a gestalt therapist so that's one of the rare psychotherapies that embraces mind and body uh, so i work quite holistically i also was an nlp master practitioner and i was obsessed about learning and getting qualifications but um, at some point I managed to merge coaching and psychotherapy and a lot of people who talk about psychotherapy from a coaching perspective talk quite a lot of about it they'll say things like well psychotherapy is looking backwards and coaching looks forwards so I've developed a coaching style that I call coaching with wing mirrors because I said to somebody once well even Lewis Hamilton has wing mirrors and needs to know what's behind. And I, I, there are, for me, there's something about the goal of what I do, and I think what all of us do at some level, is helping people connect with their truth. Because we all spend an inordinate, inordinate amount of energy trying to wear a mask. It's ironic that people are complaining about wearing masks at the minute when most people walk around with an invisible one for the whole of their lives anyway. But uh, there are two clients that I, one I'm still working with. I worked with a young person with autism and autism, we now tend to call it the autism spectrum rather than being fixed. And this person had classic autism, which meant they were very poor functioning. 
this young person probably never be independent because they don't filter out anything. So, I mean, for example, if they saw something interesting the wrong side of the road, they would just walk across to it. So it clearly presents a lot of problems. And I met, we'll call her Susan, after her fourth suicide attempt. Okay. And she was self-harming a lot. And what I learned very quickly is that you have to learn how an individual thinks. Everybody's different. And they have a track that they work to. And I had to build trust up. And I created a bit of a rod for my own back. So I was working in Harley Street. And I took her to all the rooms on the floor so that she was reassured. I had to do that every time after that. But she would then relax. And if I said to her, are you having lunch today? If we had a meeting near the beginning, of the, in the middle of the day, uh, and I'd say, what time would you want to eat? The answer I would get would be something like 13.07. It wouldn't be five past or 10 past. So over a period of time, I had to learn to build some trust up and to be very direct with the language. You know, and emotional intelligence sometimes is about saying me blindingly obvious. If I say to her, how do you feel? I would get a blank look because uh, the word feel doesn't really mean anything. What, what, what is school like? Uh, I got a description of the building oh, because everything is very, very literal. But it's been a real journey. And in a way I should refund all my fees because I've learned more from her than I, yeah. than I have really imparted. So that's one extreme where you literally pick through and you take one thing at a time. You don't have big visions. You look at how we get through the day today, how we get through the day tomorrow. It's a bit like working with addicts, which I did for a while. You know, little wins are big wins. You stop having glorious world goals. You learn to get through the next phase. So that was, uh, and, and dealing with various traumas. So that was, in a sense, very much with working with what the person's mind was doing. There was no great ambition about, I need to be free to win the Olympics. It was about, how do I survive the next day? Mm. And of course, the harming was frustration and not being able to communicate, or at least a lot of it was. Mm. And the other person I worked with quite recently, which is very different, was a young athlete. Uh, my daughter belonged to an athletics club and overheard a coach saying to the parents of a young girl who was tipped to run for Great Britain, she's got fantastic raw speed, but we can't somehow get her to start quickly. And they have a term athlete who was sitting in the blocks. In mm. other words, starting slowly. Mm. And he said, I've tried everything. I think it might be psychological. So my daughter, bless her, said, well, I know someone who might be able to help with that. Anyway, I met this young person and um, I knew there was something sticking. So through hypnosis, we connected with the fact that when she was seven years old, she was in an egg and spoon race. Dad was watching and she twice tried to run too quickly and dropped the egg. And she looked across and dad was walking away in disgust. Now we can talk a lot about his parenting skills. So that wasn't at a conscious level. She'd forgotten it at one level. 
but there was it was just making just wait that fraction of a second and we got rid of it and within six weeks you got 0.6 seconds off the 100 meters best time which is a phenomenal amount of time for an athlete so my way of working really is to work with the blindingly obvious there's nothing very clever about it other than staying with process and seeing what comes up for the individual and it's never always about looking forward and not looking at the past and it's never about looking at the past and not looking forward mm. fantastic oh, that's my case yeah no that's fantastic uh, shelly i was just thinking of the curse of knowledge that uh, psychological um, issue that um when we're coaching and training people we need to uh, realize because um psychologically we'll think uh, everybody else knows it because we know it and uh, you know there's a yeah. huge amount of experience yeah. on on today's show experts in every field and coaching i, I think the long the longer i've worked the less hard i work with a client yeah <laughs> funny isn't it it's the uh, kis syndrome the kiss syndrome keep it simple stupid or keep it yeah. short and simple um that's great will you stay on and uh, we'll come back to you a bit later and uh, will you join us for uh, a fuller session at some stage on uh, monday night live i would love to that'd be great that'd be great um now we turn to gabrielle gachet gabby gachet who was my uh, nlp uh, coach a number of years ago taught me all I know about uh, neurolinguistics. But the thing about Gabby is that she's traveled the world seeking out the highest achievers, including somebody called Wim Wenger, who was uh, one of the uh, one of the people that pushed this kind of alternative training, influencing, etc. And before Gabby became a financial advisor, she had a business called The Power of Words, and words are just so important, the language we use, you know, we could just, uh, just by correcting people's language from uh, negative to positive, just from stopping reading the papers in the morning or listening to the BBC news when we're being programmed into all this uh, negativity. So Gabby, if you're there, um, I'd like to ask you, what you felt i know you've studied some of these uh, subjects that we've been talking about today what's uh, what's your view happy new year to you all um i what's my view on it all well i i'm fascinated listening to all your stories all of your um speakers stories it's wonderful and i think the more people that open their minds to the different uh ways of seeing the world is it's fantastic, you know, we just need more of it. When I first started this exploration around how we can be the best that we can be, which is fundamentally what I'm passionate about, uh, I, I noticed that the language available was minimal. And I'm talking, you know, back in the 70s. And what was accepted, you know, Ali, uh, Dr. Ali was saying how she wasn't accepted in the NHS, you know, I, I wasn't accepted in my world. I went to a convent school, was almost kicked out for, for talking woo-woo shit. And I thought I was gonna be put away in a home if I didn't be quiet. And um, language has developed so much in the last few decades to actually give us the words to explore and to make sense of what many of us experience. Um, the 
book on different, and the doctors will know much better than me, but in psychology, there used to be a, a handbook of all the different problems that there were in psychology. And it used to be a very small book of about 70 or 80 pages. Now it's a great big tome because they've got so many more uh, labels for us and we fall, fall into the labels. And with the language, I think it's fascinating that um, you know, I've just had my family over for a late Christmas because everyone had Omicron during, during the Christmas period. So we celebrated this weekend and I had my nieces over and um, two of them are quite nervous young ladies and they're both at university and they're both, one's doing their thesis, the other one is just about to put in an essay. She's like, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it. And so I, I said, well, if you think you can't, you can't. You actually pull yourself out of your, your best person. And they said, what are you talking about, auntie? And it, it ties in with what Ali was saying, what Alison Gross was saying as well, and Carol, is that when they said, I can't, they physically became weaker. When they said that they could, they physically became stronger and their thought process moved them in the direction that they wanted versus the direction that they didn't want. At this point, my sister, my darling sister came in and I was showing them a technique around uh, grounding yourself, which I know many people on this um, call have uh, seen me and heard me describe in the past. And my sister said, oh, I call that the sinking process. And I said, the sinking process. And she said, yes, you syn synchronize everything together. And I said, do you understand the ambiguity of the sinking process? <laughs> Drowning in the, the information and it really made me realize yet again, because I'm always shocked by how powerful this stuff is, that the language that we use in our head has a an, an massive effect on our bodies. Um, and when Ali, Alison was talking earlier, what get, it, it reminded me of what gets fired together, gets wired together. And I talk about that, about the synapses in your brain, but actually it happens in your body as well. So this idea of being touched and it releasing or creating an emotion, you know, in, in NLP terms, that would be called anchoring. But that's just the language that we use around. You can use whatever language, providing it's language that works for you. And I think the, the key in the power of words is that no word has any power apart, apart from the power that you give it. And it's it's waking up and the more you can explore what works for you and do more of it and what doesn't work for you and do less of it, the better. And in that, you know, I've done crystal readings, I've done Reiki, I've done, I've done a multitude of things, tapping, and, and I'm cynical about, cynical? Skeptical, skeptical about all of them, which allows me to go in asking really good questions to what works for me and when I'm with my clients what works for them because we're all so unique um, 
I, I just think it's great. Today I was listening to a guy who, whose name I didn't get, um, but he's just released a book around um, the gut. And he was saying all these diets, it, it, strip it all back, work out how you feel when you eat a certain fruit, work out how you feel when you eat a certain food, work out how you feel when you sleep well, work out where you, how you feel when you use certain words or you move in a certain way. And it's, it's just exploring the power of you and the words are part of that. The, that that's the language oh. that allows us to dive into um, all of the other methodologies. Wow, there's so much information to take away from you and the my other four guests. It's absolutely amazing. And there's an awful lot of questions in the chat box, but I'm going to stop the recording and we'll go on to the chat box later. If you're watching this on uh, on YouTube or the Negotiators podcast, I'm going to ask all my guests to come back and have a session too. But there's a few things that I just wanted to pick up uh, from all our guests that I've written down. Number one is, um, Gabby, I think you were talking about applied kinesiology when if you put uh, things into your body, um, it will your, your unconscious mind will react in different ways. We'll come to that. Um, sinking process. Yeah, I love the double meanings on words. Sinking to the bottom of the ocean or sinking the information. That's why we have to be so careful with with words drowning in information um but you see we're we're hearing this on the radio and the news all the time the bbc seems to use the word worry and stress and bigging things up with negative words rather with than with positive words amy rowlinson had patricia fripp on uh, the psa um, with me uh, southeast but patricia was amazing and of course she she helps people start their talks with really positive words that gets the whole audience uh, listening. Um, Dr. Ali mentioned in the chat box about uh, the power of learning to self-hypnotize yourself. Well, um, Ali the physio recommended an app to me uh, in September last year, and I don't usually buy apps at all when it's called Headspace. And I tend to use it every morning because I can put my, uh, uh, my pods in my ear and uh, there's a there's a guy who's absolutely brilliant uh, with his hypnotic voice and I fall asleep and, and just chill out. But my unconscious mind is probably picking it up. It's called Headspace and it's a very, very good. Ali might tell us a bit more about that in, the, in a minute. I was doing a very serious negotiation coaching session for four directors um, in a construction company last Thursday morning in, in a lockdown room following a mediation that I'm advising them on. And it, it's really interesting. One, the, 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 the head quantity surveyor in this firm said, um, when I'm talking to my people, I always say to them, I don't want to patronize you. Gee whiz, I had to stop the meeting and do a quick check whether I could give him some feedback on what he just said. I felt I had to. I thought, well, if I lose a client, that's going to be a risk. But you, it's the language you use. If you say, don't think of a blue tree, people think of a blue tree. And I was just explaining that to him. Don't think I'm patronizing you. 
you're patronising me. Anyway, he looked in total shock. And then he came round and when we left, he talked to me and said, thank me for doing it. I did it in front of his boss. It was a bit risky, but sometimes you've just got to do it. Um, everybody on uh, Monday Night Live, um, I think that was a fantastic session. Could you give a round of applause, please, in the usual Monday Night Live way to our five guests tonight who've uh, opened uh, all of our eyes to some of the amazing techniques. Thanks very much indeed again to Ali the physio, Dr. Ali, um, Carol Robertson, Gabrielle and Shelley Bridgman. And uh, I'm gonna close the, uh, close the recording now. Thank you so much. If you're watching this on uh, YouTube or the Negotiators uh, podcast, please do join us on a Monday Night Live. If you liked it, please like it on social media and share it around with people, encourage them to join us. Uh, my name is Derek Gardner. Thank you so much for being with us.